our nation's past, most people would have found it safe to say that kids who were submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ were more likely to bring joy to themselves and to their families than the kids who chose to pursue the sinful pleasures of the world. Yet, in today's information age, the truth of Scripture, the virtues of faith, family, and common sense are often maligned as being too restrictive, oppressive, and even immoral. Many now consider the Bible to be an evil collection of dark fairy tales that speak of the evil deeds of an oppressive God, far too horrifying to be true. Well, today we'll be talking with Dr. Donald Williams, a Bible scholar who can help parents and their kids answer some of the toughest questions that pertain to the veracity of God and His Word. That's next on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host, Trace Ambry, is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill and also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherds Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, I would venture to guess that almost all the kids coming to Shepherds Hill Academy have either abandoned their Christian faith or never had any faith with Jesus Christ to begin with. What's been your experience as to why so many kids are rejecting or abandoning God and the authority of the Bible today? Mm, Yeah, well, the bottom line is just what you said in the opening. Uh, Most kids are just too preoccupied with the myriad carnal slash sinful pursuits that today's cavalcade of pleasures, amusements, and entertainments has to offer. Uh, You know, you add to that the glut of false or partial information they receive about the Bible or Jesus Christ, largely over the internet— And you have a recipe for being hornswoggled into a sheep to the slaughter situation. I mean, just look at all the people today whose whose lives have been ruined pursuing carnal lust, whether it's money, sex, drugs, rock and roll, the lottery, whatever. The mental illness that's now systemic in our society today is is largely a self-inflicted wound. Mm. It's people brainwashed with a lot of false, again, or partial information or, or lame brain ideas they think will bring them happiness. But just the opposite uh, just too often happens, and they, they bring a type of hell upon themselves. And despite the Internet being a wealth of good information to support faith in Jesus Christ, there are a lot of evil people working on and for a lot of evil websites with evil agendas that challenge their followers with basically the same questions the devil has been asking from the very beginning. Did God really say? Mm-hmm. They cite the most difficult scriptures that theologians have wrestled with and long since worked through for thousands of years. But most people today, especially our kids, don't like to work through much of anything anymore. So, you know, when they see an apparent conundrum in the Bible, it's just too easy to throw in the towel on Jesus and follow the path of least resistance. You know, that fun for a while path that slowly morphs into a not so fun highway to hell. Well, I know that our guest today on Licensed to Parent can speak into that, and I'm excited to have Dr. Don Williams with us. He is Professor Emeritus of Tacoa Falls College in Tacoa Falls, Georgia. Dr. Williams calls himself a border dweller. 
He says he stays permanently camped out in the borders between theology and literature, serious scholarship, and pastoral ministry. So to speak, Narnia and the Middle Earth. He is the author of 13 books, is a pastor and church planter, and has taken the gospel to places like Bulgaria, Uganda, and India, and of course, here in the United States. Well, Dr. Don, welcome to Licensed to Parent. Good to be here. Well, your book is called The Young Christian Survival Guide. Uh, so my question is, is this a book specifically written to and for our kids? Well, it is, but old Christians are also permitted to read it. Okay. And uh, <laughs> in fact, the, the, the publisher actually contacted me and, and asked me to write this book. For once, I didn't have to go looking for them. They came looking for me. And they wanted it to be aimed at high school kids. Mm -hmm. Mm. I tried really, really hard to put the cookies on that lower shelf. shelf, Mm -hmm. And I think I got it down to maybe senior high college freshman level. But uh, that's just to say that people who aren't specialists, people who aren't academics, I hope can, can understand it. And uh, while it is directly addressed at some of the issues that young Christians are dealing with, if you're an older Christian, you're probably having to deal with these issues as well. If you're an older Christian who has children who are young Christians Mm. or uh, people in your church uh, who are impacted by these things, uh, this book can not only help you, but it can help you help them is Mm -hmm. what I'm hoping. the Young Christian Survival Guide, just call it the 21st Century Christian Survival Guide. Okay. Well, I'm finding that even the older Christians today uh, are still basically were very young Christians used to be a couple generations ago. Yeah. As far yeah. as biblical literacy. That's very true. Yeah. It's, I, I remember Chuck Swindoll saying probably 25 years ago over mm. the radio, I heard him. Uh, that because uh, I think at that time he was president of Dallas Theological Seminary, and he was saying, "Man, the quality of of people with their Bible knowledge coming into there. We got people who are going into the ministry when they come into Dallas Theological Seminary. They don't know the difference between the the Saul of the Old Testament and the Saul of the New Testament." He was right twenty five years ago, and it's gotten worse since then. A lot worse. Uh, I'm here because I'm an apologist. I wrote an apologetics book, which is what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But I want to take a step back and say that apologetics is only the second most important answer. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons is that previous generations of Christians have not engaged the Scriptures in a way that's relevant to the issues surrounding them in their society the way they should. But, you know, I hear people all the time saying, oh, if people would just start studying apologetics, everything. No, that wouldn't do it. I will tell you the most important factor in raising young Christians who will be on fire for God and rooted and solidly grounded in the scriptures and ready to begin their life and move forward as Christians, and that is spiritual reality on the part of the parents. If the parents aren't modeling it, then the, your, your chances of it sticking with your, you know, your, your, on your kids is diminished greatly. I, I want to give a shout out to my father. Uh, who's listening from heaven. Uh, When I picture him, the picture that automatically comes into my head is a a picnic table, a stone picnic table in a national forest campground 
surrounded by darkness, darkness fading into the rhododendrons off to the side. In the center of that picnic table is a circle of light cast by a Coleman lantern. And in the center of that circle of light is my father's head bent over his Bible. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's the picture of him that comes into my mind the second I think about him. Mm. Now, he was a, was a very devout, solid Christian man, and he tried really, really hard to raise me in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and most of those efforts backfired. Mm. But the thing that made the difference, the reason why I am here today is that picture because that's who he was when he didn't even know I was looking. How much of that you you had to physically, psychologically, spiritually grow into to really understand? I mean, that, that image probably didn't have the impact when you were 12 as it did when you were 30. No. And uh, it started to have it when uh, at about, say, 18. Mm-hmm. But I, can, I mean, it goes and back. And your frontal was getting fully developed. It, it, I mean, it goes back to 12 mm-hmm. and earlier. But, but yeah, uh, 30 is actually a pretty good number to pick as mm-hmm. the point where I'm starting to embrace the fullness of that legacy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather was illiterate. He was a country farmer from central Georgia, Coweta County, never learned to read. And the job, he had, he had eight girls and my dad, and the job of the youngest child who was old enough to read, when he came in from the fields at the end of the day, was to sit in his lap in his rocking chair and read to him from the King James Bible. Mm-hmm. That was his commitment to Scripture. Mm-hmm. And he was illiterate. My dad was a high school graduate uh, who loved the word because of the way his father did. And I am, you know, I have a PhD. I have master's degrees in literature and in theology. Mm -hmm. uh, And I have preached the gospel on five continents. Yeah. You know, and it goes back. So, So my grandfather, I barely knew him. I, he died when I was like five. Mm-hmm. But he genuinely loved the Lord and loved the Word, and with all his flaws, that was real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he gave that to my dad, and it was real in him. And um, so we're going to talk about apologetics. That's why I'm here. But it's very important that we realize that uh, apologetics only begins to be effective if it's coming from people who have earned the right to speak mm-hmm. by living a life of sacrificial love for the Lord. Well, yeah, because there's, there are a lot of uh, parents, uh, and there's diminishing a lot of parents, who can give a pretty good uh, uh, reason for the hope they have in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, being able to defend uh, with a, a lot of the difficult scriptures and still have kids run off, you know that thing called free will. Yeah. I tell our parents all the time: you get uh, the only perfect parent that ever existed who did it all right was God Himself, and look what His first two kids did, <laughs> right? Yeah. So you can't beat yourself up too bad if you are doing all right and, and your kid still still strays. That's right. 
What have you found to be the you know, the biggest reason why uh, so many Christian kids are walking away from their faith once prof- professing faith? That why are they walking away in droves with good parents? What I hear from them uh, is a lack of spirituality, lack of genuine, true Christian spirituality in the church. Mm-hmm. Even if their parents are are solid people, yeah. they aren't getting answers in church. So it's the same old, same old hypocrisy in the church. Hypocrisy is part of it, but part of it is also a lack of substance, a lack of, mm. of reality there. Um, I remember when I was in high school, I was saved. Can, I was, can you save that till after the break? I can do that. Okay, you, we're going to go back to high school after the break. We're talking with Dr. Don Williams today about his book, The Young Christian Survival Guide. We'll be back with more licensed parent right after this. In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit helpmytroubledteen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org. Hi, folks. Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern-day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago. Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to His word, will, and way, and who properly understand what faith truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, an extraordinary odyssey of divine interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at LicensedToParent.org. Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a residential treatment center for troubled teens. Want to know more? Check out LicensedToParent.org. We are talking today with Dr. Don Williams, and he's helping us understand surviving today's world as Christians. And just before the break, he was sharing a story that came from high school. Can you continue on with that story, Dr. Don? Yeah, I was saved when I was five years old, raised in the church. When I was in high school, I started asking questions like, how do we know this is true? Mm. Because you know, I was running into people who had different views, and, and 
That was my question. How do we know this is true? Because you didn't have the internet. And there were two. <laughs> there were two problems in the church's response. Number one, they didn't have a clue. They didn't know how to answer that question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the lack of answers wasn't the worst thing. The worst thing was the attitude toward the question. If you were spiritual, you wouldn't be asking questions like that. Yeah. You just need to read your Bible more and pray harder. Right. Well. I was reading my Bible, and I was praying, and uh, obviously, if I wasn't doing that, I should have been, but that wasn't the problem. Mm-hmm. And so, if, if, if you get that kind of false spirituality in the church, it's a problem when they don't have answers. It's a bigger problem when they don't have the right attitude toward the question. Right. That's true. And kids are going to react to that. I almost lost my faith over that. Well, that was a problem in our generation. Mm-hmm. But today's generation, reading the Bible and praying harder with no result and, and getting reading all the hard information uh, out of the Bible and getting uh, the, like the new atheists and all their platforms on the Internet is precisely why they're, they're, they're complaining. So it's a totally 180. They're, get, they're, they're reading uh, the Bible. They're, they're, they're seeking out these tough answers and coming to the conclusion that it's all a bunch of hogwash. I mean, how do we, how do we uh, uh, counteract that in, in general? One of the things that strikes me about the kids who leave the church is you can give them good answers and they don't care. They're just, why are you so eager to find information that seems to, to take you in the other direction. Because the mind is, can always justify what the heart's already accepted. Yeah. That's where you're at. And, that, and, and these that's kids, part of the problem. These kids have been, have had, we talked about this earlier too, have had way too many choices, way too many pleasurable, entertaining, uh, amusing options that keep them from the tougher pursuits. It, it's hard to pray. It's, mm-hmm. it's hard to, to, to really get in and study the Bible and figure out yeah. why God isn't this oppressive uh tyrant that uh, right. he's painted out to be. That's that's not easy. It's so easy to follow the path of least but, resistance. You know, insofar as good answers can help, and they do, we've got them. We do have them. We have to search for them. That's, that's what I don't think a lot of people are willing to do mm-hmm. because they're having so much fun in, 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 the, uh, in the carnal pleasures of life. You know, again, we were talking, we, we, we hear so many stories of parents who raise their kids in the church only to have them follow the ways of the world and sometimes into some very dark and destructive ways. How much of this rebellious or prodigal-like behavior do you attribute to kids reading passages of Scripture that are just too hard or for an otherwise prudent teenager or young adult to reconcile uh, with a just and merciful God. Because these hard passages that only seasoned theologians had to deal with just a generation or two ago are now being uh, crammed down the throats of our kids, and and they're not getting, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story on this stuff. Well, if if you're getting those passages fed to you by atheist websites— you're getting them out of context, and right. you're seeing in in the worst possible light. If you're actually reading through the Bible from cover to cover once a year, like I started doing when I was in junior high, uh, when you get to them, you don't see them in that same light because they come with a context to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to see them in the light of the totality of what Scripture is. So there's no substitute for knowing the whole Bible. Right. 
if somebody says, look, look up this verse, or look at this verse, isn't this terrible? And you just look it up, and, and you're reading it by itself, it can look pretty terrible. When you back up, you see it differently. Take the issue of, of genocide, for example. One of, the, one of the complaints about the Bible is that it promotes genocide. Well, the Bible doesn't promote genocide. It commands it on one specific occasion, which was the conquest of Canaan. And that command comes in a context of a general teaching about war that teaches limited warfare, that teaches uh, you must not, for example, cut down the fruit trees of a city that you're besieging. Is the tree of the field a man that you should make war against it? In the context of the times, the general teaching about war in the Old Testament uh, is amazingly restrained and limited. But on this one occasion, God said, here's a, here's a people that has become so bad, so corrupt, there's nothing we can do with them except raise it down to the ground and start over. And if you leave any of that left, it's going to corrupt you after you move into the land. So does the Bible support genocide? No, the Bible forbids it. Mm -hmm. But there was one occasion where God said, this is what needs to happen. Now, that's a challenging thing, but you can't generalize it. Well, the thing is, God has the eternal perspective on everything. He has the view. We have points of view. Mm -hmm. And we're not living back in the context. And, and you know, look, in the football sense, God can call an audible when he wants to for the good of everyone, whether we understand it or not. But one of the hardest passages of Scripture for a lot of these kids to deal with is in Deuteronomy 21.10, where it, God's basically saying if you 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 uh, conquer a nation and you, 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 you look at a girl and a woman and she, you, you, you want her for your wife, take her as your wife, and if she doesn't really please you as your wife, go ahead and, and discard her right back into the, you know, uh, into the community again. Uh, once you've defiled her, you can throw her back. That's a difficult passage, and I don't know how, how that's reconciled. Uh, well, I mean, I, th I think I can do that. It's going to take the rest of the program to do it, but... Um, <laughs> A lot of uh, a lot of people look at that and say, "Well, that's not the God I want to serve because he's he's not just, and he's not merciful, and he's not considering women uh, in the equation." Uh, do well, you have a quick, concise answer for that particular passage? Of scripture? The quick, concise answer is keep reading, mm -hmm. and you will get to verse fourteen. If it, it, it shall be, if you are not pleased with her, then you shall let her go wherever she wishes. But you shall certainly not sell her for money. You shall not mistreat her because you have humbled her. Mm. But that's not, solving, words, that's not solving the original problem of deflowering her for somebody else. Well, the, the original situation is that she's a prisoner of war. And you have lifted her up above that station and made her your wife. And if it turns out that this doesn't work out, then... God is concerned for her welfare in terms of she's not just getting stuffed into a prison of war camp or she's not just getting slaughtered. She's got a chance at a better life. But how do we reconcile that with God hating divorce? God hates divorce when divorce is an injustice 
to the other partner, which is most occasions. But God uh, permits divorce in the case of unrepentant adultery. And God himself, Jeremiah, what is it, 310? I'm not sure if I remembered the reference exactly right, but God is lamenting the fact that he was forced to divorce the northern kingdom because of their spiritual adultery with idols. God is a divorcee. You know, in in police work, it's called exigent circumstances. There are something that that only God has the authority to, to... to call that audible, to 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 go outside the the, the norm, mm-hmm. um, and you know that's the only way I can I can really uh, reconcile some of these passages is that uh, uh, God's got the bigger picture. I don't, um, and I had a thought I had a thought on that thing, and it just mm-hmm. escaped me. And it would have made sense to people too, but uh, uh, anyway, sometimes we can see some of the bigger picture, and when we do start realizing the totality of it makes sense. And uh, if if you major on an exception and miss the principle, then you've missed the point. point. Yeah. And and, 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 the, and that's what happens when you take passages out of context. And the, and the, the, the example I was, I was thinking about was, okay, so I'm against people sticking a knife in my chest. Yeah, I, I pretty much object to that. Too. And I think God would be against that too. And I think he'd even be even more against t- taking a skill saw and sawing my breastbone in two uh, while, I'm, while I'm still alive. But I paid a guy to do that. I actually paid a guy to do that because in the long haul, I get a few extra years of mm-hmm. life that I can continue doing this to help other people. And uh, was there some sacrifice involved on my part? Mm, yeah, about 15 pounds worth. But <laughs> uh, in the long haul, it, it, it ended up being a good thing. So mm-hmm. that's the only way I can kind of reconcile it. And Listen, I am trying to get, and I think most people who challenge the, these, some of these Bible scriptures are trying to get into the mind of an infinite God. And we're taking our little pea brains and trying to get it all sorted out. And we're throwing away the other 800 and some thousand words that are in the Bible for a few, a handful that we just don't quite have the full context uh, about. We don't quite understand. So I'm, I, I'm not one to want to throw away all of the good and logically sound and scientifically based stuff that makes sense to me for one passage of scriptures that I can't figure out. Because if I can figure out everything out, you might as well worship me. I, I got it all together. <laughs> and I can guarantee you, I don't have it all together. So anyway, um, we're about out of time. You believe that? We're about out of time. <laughs> we're about out of time. Do we Greg. have time for program two? I don't know. Do we? Uh, there's certainly enough material here. Don, I, I really appreciate you uh, uh, being with us. I appreciate the book. I appreciate the information that you have in it and, and the things you're trying to tackle. And um, maybe we can uh, broker a deal to get you back here sooner than later to finish this thing up. We can do that. I'm not that far away. Absolutely. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Don Williams. Check out his ministry at donaldtwilliams.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy, our year-long Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. If your teen needs help, we want to be here for you. Check out LicensedToParent.org for more information. Just click on the resource tab on the main page. 
Licensed to Parent is a listener-supported ministry. A donation of any amount would help us tremendously. You can donate online at LicensedToParent.org and click Donate. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peets is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your license to parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.